Thank you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. too much about us and Sozo Church in a sense. I just, it's excited to see what God's doing here. I mean, I am, I'm older than most of all you guys in here. I'm like 48 now, so I've been around the block a few times, not a hundred times, but a few times. But it's so cool to see God just bring people together. And my heart, when we first, you know, I met Mark and Ty a few years ago at an MFI retreat and so forth, but just the last couple, of, like three years since they've been back in Spokane, their heart is to love people their heart is to see people fall in love with Jesus and be discipled by Jesus and, and encourage each other. So I just went, dude, I love that. I want to be, I want to connect with this church and be a part of it in the sense of just loving on it, praying for you guys. So again, pray that I don't suck this morning. It is, all right, time-wise. Do you guys like remove the front row so Mark can just like wander? Is that kind of <laughs> half the reason? I love the table, baby. It's like I preached better sermons now that you guys brought this table. That's really cool, but I don't wander too much, so that's cool. Let's pray. Father, uh, Sozo Church loves the Word of God. They believe that the Word of God is perfect, that the Word of God is for our lives to be transformed by the renewing of the Spirit of God and the Word of God. So I love that Sozo Church loves the Word of God. Because I know in my life, Lord Jesus, I need to be transformed continually until I die and go to heaven. So I depend upon the word. I know Mark and Ty do. I know this church depends upon your word, Lord. So we thank you. And Lord, thank you so much for that awesome, awesome presence and worship, Lord God. I love to worship Jesus all the time. Amen. Well, I'm, like I said, well, I'm not 40. I'm almost 48. But in 1987, I was uh, playing football at Eastern Washington University back when they weren't quite as good as they are now, but did some good things back then. But I was, uh, before I got saved, it was the BC days, like all of you, I'm assuming, can connect with that. Um, I was a very religious person, and I was a very, uh, there was something, God was drawing me, totally drawing me all the time. I loved coming into Spokane with a group of people. I wasn't saved at all. I love Calvary Chapel, the big one up by Mead right now, was downtown. Uh, Life Center was just kind of getting started back in those days. So the churches that are mega churches now were kind of small at that time and just kind of getting going. We'd come in, and I loved the Word of God. I loved people preaching. I loved the worship. I was not saved at all, so I don't know why I liked it, but I did. And I'd go back on campus, you know, being a football player and blah, blah, blah. I just indulged in the flesh and sin all I could. I mean, it was my goal in life to make everything in our flesh desirable. I mean, I was an absolute rank sinner. And my second year of school at Eastern, I'm giving you a short testimony because it's going to be a part of the, the message this morning. Um, I was getting, I was cleaning up my room, getting ready to leave the spring of 1987. And God 
every year, every month that went by for two years at Eastern, I was getting more convicted and more just really confused in my mind and just, I was, I was almost coming, becoming schizophrenic in the sense that, God, I just, I was so confused. And one day, cleaning up my room, getting ready to go home for the summer, in comes through my door, although my door didn't open, was this man named Jesus Christ, and he wasn't in the flesh or anything like that. But just a long story short, because it is my story, and it's long, but I'm going to make it short. For three hours, literally three hours, I was, had a clean room, and my room became messy from me screaming and bawling and snot flying all over the room. I laid on the floor of my dorm room for three hours weeping and repenting because Jesus came in, Holy Spirit, how whatever you want to say, God came into my room that day before I left for the summer, and I just gave it all up. And I say all that to say this. One very clear message that the Holy Spirit or Jesus, whatever you want to say, gave me that day. He said this, I am going to teach you to love people. I'm going to teach you to love people. Now, I have never, I mean, I've been, I've been pastor in City Life Church now for, uh, for almost five, June will be five years for us, so we're just a little bit older than you guys. Um, I've never been a big gatherer. I've never been an evangelist where you go out on campus and all of a sudden 100 people get saved and never had that gift. I believe it is a gift. But since 1987, there's one thing that's torn my heart apart is to see people not walk with Jesus. And God, at that day, put the heart of a shepherd in me. All that means for me, the heart of a shepherd, is nothing special other than, man, I want to see people in love with Jesus. This last week, literally five days ago, a man who started coming to our church. He's a single man. He's 38 years old. And I think I can say this because there's all the kids are gone. But, um, and this is, this breaks my heart more than anything in the world. Our, our society's screwed up. I can say screwed up in this church, right? Yeah. All right. I know you guys drink beer and smoke cigars and just like, <laughs> just like our church, baby. <laughs> this man was messed up. As a four, five, and six-year-old boy, he was grossly abused by his own dad. And I know some of you in here can relate and know people that have. He was physically abused, verbally abused. He would, he, his mom would get the living tar beat out of her. Dad would go to the next room and beat him up back and forth. That was his life as a four- and five-year-old kid. Sexual abuse, just oof, sexual abuse, verbal abuse. And at six years old, and I'm sorry if this triggers anybody in here, his dad took his life. Now, can you imagine a six-year-old at that age going through what he did the first, you know, three, four, and five, six-year-old of his life, and then all of a sudden the person who abused him in a great way, the person who's supposed to love him, took his own life. So he never had a chance in his life, he's 38 years old now, never had a chance in his life to make reconciliation with his dad because his dad took his own life when he was a six-year-old boy. That breaks my heart more than anything. 
This world is full of broken people. Just because you get married and you marry a Christian doesn't mean your marriage is good. Because Christians who marry other Christians marry broken people who need to be healed. So my message this morning, it's not going to be anything on the overhead. You have eight pages of notes, and no, we are not going to go over all eight pages, because each point in my church from now on is actually a whole sermon in itself, but we're going to skim this. I printed these notes out because this is my heart right here. I believe, and I've been in ministry literally from the day I got saved at Eastern, I've been in ministry. We were fellowship of Christian athletes. Every day of my life being a Christian of 27, 28 years, I've been in ministry. Now, to me, that means just helping people find Jesus and connect with Jesus. Have I done stupid things, messed up, all sorts? Yes, I have done all those dumb things, and I will continue to do dumb things because I am a man. Men do dumb things, plus I'm a human, and humans do dumb things. But as I look back at my ministry years, I've been full-time here in the sense of senior pastor at City Harvest Church in Vancouver. I was there for 12 years serving with me and my wife, serving young adults ministry and different ministries there. Before that, I went to Portland Bible College a couple, about a year and a half, part-time, and we were there for six years and just served there. Before that, we were on campus at Eastern serving on different camp, ministry camp, or ministries on campus there. And I look back, and I, I, my heart is so broken, not only of what I explained to you with the man who started coming to our church, who, by the way, Tuesday night, I gave him the Freedom in Christ book that gives you steps on how to know what Jesus is. It gives you all steps the way through the book, and toward the end of the book, it, it shows you how to not only repent and have a different worldview and, and how to begin the process of forgiveness and all those kind of things. He's reading the book Tuesday night late. He devoured the book and demons started flying out of his life. No one was around him. No one needed to do anything. He just went through the steps and the process of Jesus. Jesus steps in the Bible and deliverance started happening in his life. He calls me up and goes, you won't believe what happened. I go, after your story, I will believe everything because you were a messed up individual, but I want to hear your story. And he begins to tell me all this stuff. And Jesus has begun the ministry of reconciliation in his life in the process of healing. And I am so excited for this man. The message today is called Living Love. Do you live love? Now, how many, you got to raise your hands. I make my church raise hands, so I'm sorry if I embarrass you. How many of you in here are married? How many in you, of you in here have a relationship with anybody outside of marriage, like a girlfriend, a boyfriend, siblings, family? Who has a mother and a father in here? All right, who goes to work in here and has a boss and coworkers? Pretty much all of you are in multiple different kind of relationships in your life. Now, the past 28 years of my life, looking back and doing church, and my goodness, sometimes doing church is confusing and not of Jesus because of the way we do church, and I'm sick of some of the ways we do church. But I could look back. I was in the elders' meetings for 15-plus years, and I don't know how many church splits I've heard, and, and men doing this, and women doing this, and churches doing this to other churches, and, and, and I'm just going, holy smokes, 
how are we as Christians, how are we as the church supposed to have any influence over the world when we're worse than they are because of the stupid things we do in church? We do it because we have this thing called our flesh and our sin nature in us, and we don't live the ultimate thing that Jesus taught. Now, when I also look back of 28 years of doing ministry in different ways, there's very few messages that I've heard over my life, and there's very few messages that I have given, so I am guilty, but there's very few messages that I've heard, and I've listened to a million sermons back when there was cassettes, when some of you were going, what in the heck is that, um, about hardly any sermons on learning to live in love. You know why? Because as pastors, we have visions of what church should look like. We're going to get a vision, and baby, we're going to get people together, and we're going to force people to do our vision. And if people don't want to do our vision as the senior pastor and the eldership of this particular church, then they can go find another church because we have a vision, baby. And then you know what? We have ministries in the church, and, and ministries are very important. We have ministries in our church just like you do in your church, kids, all sorts of different things, outreach next week that we're going to help. Hopefully we get a bunch of people to help you guys do the Easter, out, Easter outreach and so forth. There are ministries, and they are good. Sometimes ministry and positions, baby, how many people, don't raise your hand on this one because I don't want you to feel guilty, but how many of you in your life, I was guilty all the time, was striving for positions. I felt called to do ministry when I got saved in 1987. I didn't even know what that meant. I was a brand new Christian. But for years, I wanted to be a pastor. And it wasn't like I was going to step on people to do that. But my desire and vision and what I felt was my calling to be a pastor sometimes overrode my love for people. Today I want to talk with you about living love, okay? Scripture, in the beginning, in the first page there, Galatians 5, 13. Forgive me, this is not the ESV. I know that Mark uses it. You know what's funny? I just got done using the ESV for like an eight-year period about a year and a half ago. And I'm going back to the NIV. When I became a Christian, I used NIV, King James, and I went to New King James, and I went to New American Standard, then I went to ESV, now I'm back to NIV, just so I could confuse people. <laughs> Here we go. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. This is Paul writing a letter to the church of Galatia. Um, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Don't raise your hand on this one. How many of you have destroyed other Christians by talking about them and not loving them? And how many of you have seen other Christians, ooh, baby, other churches talk about other churches because they're not good enough and we bite and we devour other Christians and other churches because of self-righteousness. Our church is going to do it this way, and we got the corner on the market. 
we have more of Jesus than you do. That's an attitude of lots of pastors. They might not say it in the pulpit, but it's in the rooms behind the doors when they're doing their planning meetings. You know what drove me absolutely freaking nuts? I'm serious. Came from Pentecostal background. I know Mark and Ty are Pentecostal charismatic. I'm a Baptocostal now. <laughs> and this is the why, this is the reason I am. For years, and I'm talking years and years and years, I heard Pentecostals and Charismatics say this about Baptist churches, community churches, and all the other churches who don't have the Holy Spirit. They're not spirit filled. Are you insane? Are you absolutely out of your mind? The Baptist churches are the world-renowned church for outreach across the world. But charismatics sit back and go, they don't have the Holy Spirit like we do because we float and we wave flags and we shake during worship. We're nuts. We are nuts. How about if we do this? Love the Baptist people. Love the Pentecostals. How about if we love because the Bible says something like this. The world is going to check you out. And when you backbite and when you devour each other, like your spouse, like you're at your job, when some of you go, oh, my boss. Oh, my coworkers. And if we're Christians and our coworkers do something to us, you know what we do? You go, as a Christian, you go tell three other co-workers who aren't even Christians, and the co-workers you tell that something got screwed up in the kitchen or wherever you work about the other co-worker who messed you up or said something negative about you, and you're over there confessing this stuff, devouring and biting another person, and you're a Christian and you're telling non-Christians this, and the non-Christians are going, and you go to church? Whoa! Next time you invite me, sorry, I'm not going to your church because I don't see Jesus in your life. As Christians, love is number one. And now I say love, I am not meaning that we tolerate sin. Love is not tolerance. I do not mean that we tolerate or live like our culture lives, the world lives. That is not love. When I say love, I mean this. I have 14 points. I'm going to go over them in about 10 minutes. These notes are for you to go home. And this is how I challenge my church, the church that meets here on Sunday nights. We like to sleep more than you, so we do church on Sunday nights. Okay? I give them this, and being more of a shepherd, a pastor, I meet with people all the time. I hate church meetings. I despise church meetings. I despise church planning meetings. <laughs> all my meetings get done on Facebook. Children's directors, worship teams, every possible thing you could think of. It only takes one sentence on a Facebook page. They know what's going on. Okay? I hate church meetings. But what I do with my people is I send stuff like this home with them. And I go, I want each one of you as a couple, 
Maybe you are a girlfriend, boyfriend, you're not married yet. Maybe you can do this with a sibling in your life who's causing issues in your life. Maybe you have parents that you're not connected with very good, and they're a Christian and you're a Christian, but there's still strife among you. This is Bible, and this right here, I'm telling you right now, you have to hear this. This will take care of every relationship in your life if you learn to do what Jesus told us to do, which is live love. Ministry, important. You guys are going to merge with the church. Okay, do you think they do everything like you? No. Probably about nothing like you guys. Okay? Are you going to go there swinging a sword saying, here we come, get out of the way? If you do, there's going to be a war because you're going to a different building. You're going to a pastor who's been pastoring for 33 years there, Doug Malott, who is a very godly, loving man. If you go in there swinging your sword saying, here we come on our horse, oh, baby, church mergers don't work unless you go in there swinging the sword of love. Okay? So I'm going to go over these really quick. And I want you to take these home. If you have issues with your spouse, have you ever argued with your spouse? You know what the funniest thing is in the world? Most of the arguments happen on the way to church or the way to a small group or the way to something that's like you're riding in the car together. All of a sudden, the next week, you ride in separate cars. It's way easier to go to church with your spouse if you go to separate cars. I'm telling you that right now. Been a Christian for 28 years, way easier. It will help. Here we go. Number one, I promise to be members of one another. I'm going to go through this part fast because I want to get done so you guys can go home today and begin. And I know you're already doing it, so please don't take that as a, as a, a punch in the chin. I know you're already doing this stuff. But these are biblical keys that will enhance every relationship that you have. And it will blow your mind. All right. Well, before I get started... I'm sorry, I'm just like Mark. <clears throat> Before I get on point one, husbands, have you ever tried to control your wife because you are the man and you are in control, you are the man of the house, and God has called you to be the leader? Yes, I've done that, Pastor Van, many times in my life. Well, let me tell you something. It doesn't work. Jesus gave us another way to get our spouses to respond to us. It's called love. My wife works 40 hours a week, which I wish she didn't, because when we were in Vancouver, I, I, she didn't have to, but she does now. So what do I do to try to bless her? Every night when we get home and whatever's going on, we're sitting on our couch, I rub her feet for two hours just to bless her. If I, and I learned over the years, I've been married for 26 years. Last week was our 26th anniversary. Every year I learned a little bit more. And I teach this to my guys in my church that are married, okay? Or maybe even you're engaged or whatever the situation is. If you want your absolutely gorgeous woman that you're married to or you want to be married to to, 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 to change in some different ways or something like that, try praying for her. And you know what? Don't go home and tell her what you're praying for her to change for. Because that's stupid. 
okay? Learn to be with Jesus and pray for her and then pray these things that we're going to go over really quick. Jesus, would you teach me how to be a member, how to be connected to my wife? Not push her, not tell her what to do, not say, I'm the man of the house, but love her in a way where she wants to actually be with me and, and go places with me because she loves me. She goes, man, I love the way you do that. I love the way you treat me. I love the way you love me. That is how we are going to do relationships and increase and enhance relationships. And when you guys go to Rock of Ages, I'm telling you what, love them. And we're going to learn something here today that I want, I want you to take these home and I want you to go, man, I don't live all these out and I need to learn these things because when I go to Rock of Ages, I want to bless them. I want to honor them. I want to submit to one another. I want to do all the things that Jesus tells us to do. Okay, back on number one. I promise to be members of one another. Colossians 1.17 says this, Jesus is before all things, and in Jesus all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So if Jesus Christ is the head of the church, why does the body act like a bunch of animals sometimes? Here's a hint. Go to the head who is Jesus, he will teach you to love and you will go back and you will love. You won't devour other people in the body of Christ. And right there, blessing will come to your life. So let's move through these pretty fast on page two. I promise to build others up. Now, Romans 14, uh, 18 says this, Whoever thus serves the Lord, Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes peace and mutual building up. When you come here on a Sunday morning or when you meet in a church group or when you go to work or wherever you go every day to the work, do you pray this, God, I am terrible at building people up because I was either abused, I was teased, and I have such a difficult time because of my past there is deliverance and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you what, you can become a builder. When you get here or you go to whatever you do, purpose to build. You know why? Because everybody in here is more important than you. Everybody in here is more important than you. That's what the Bible teaches us. How about number three? I promise to care for others. Some of these I'm just going to go through really fast. I promise, number four, I promise to love others. I have a whole bunch of verses for that. Love means this, to have love for someone based on sincere appreciation and high regard. Number five, I promise to pursue your good and not repay evil for evil. This is so huge. Have you ever had somebody in your life that is close to you or in church and they win something, or they get an award, or they just something blesses their life, and you stand back, stand back and go, oh, jeez, them again. They suck. They get everything. You know what? Try doing the Bible. Try blessing them and saying, you know what? Ah, it's so awesome that you got this. This is awesome. I tell you, if you learn 
and build habits in your life that are biblical habits of living love. You're going to need it when you do your merge. You need it in your marriage. You need it at your workplace. Because at your workplace, I'm hoping there's a bunch of non-Christians there that cuss and drink lots of beer and get drunk and, talks about, and talk about really crazy, wild, sinful things because you are there to love. I'm telling you what, when you learn to love sinners like Jesus loves sinners, those sinners are going to go, whoa, baby. You know what's going to happen? They're going to go home. You're not, you don't even need to preach to them. You just need to love them, okay? They're going to go home at night and lay in bed, and they're going to start having dreams about Bible verses. And they're going to have dreams about, oh my gosh, when I was six years old, I went to this camp and I got saved. I raised my hand. I got baptized. And why am I having, I haven't had these things for 25 years. And I think it's your fault, Stephen, because you're a Christian and I'm having dreams now because something's going on. And you know what? That's the start of the Holy Spirit in their life because you are loving them and you are not condemning them. We need to live love. And it's not, it's hard because we have flesh. We have flesh, okay? Pursue other people's good. How about six? I promise to help others when they are weak and be patient with others. I love this verse in 1 Thessalonians 5.13. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and go over, and, or over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love of their work, be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, and you can say sisters in there, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with all. Are there people in your life where you see them and you walk the other way because you don't want to talk to them anymore? Those are the people that Jesus really wants in your church. Those are the people where Jesus is saying, come on. That is the one. Go after him. Be patient with him because he's weird, just like you. Okay? I promise to bear with others in love. Number eight, I promise to help bear the burdens of others. This is a huge thing that I teach and I preach now. Five years ago, maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I would have not have preached it like this. I love this verse. I'm going to read it first, and I'm going to say what the heck I'm talking about. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgressions, have any of you ever transgressed the law of God? You're all lying. (laughs) You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of control, condemnation. Come on, as churches, we excommunicate people. People who sin should get up here and confess their sins, and we throw stones at them. Come on, church. Are we going to love Christians who sin? We do not tolerate it. We don't say, hey, Van, I know you've been caught in adultery three times now. Bless you, brother. (laughs) No. I hope that my friends who are Christian brothers are going to come to me and say, man, we really got to talk. We love you. We want to see restoration in your life. And we want to restore you. I don't know if it will surprise you or not, but Christians sin. Some Christians look at pornography. Some Christians 
have mental or emotional adultery that they commit with other women or with other guys at work. So are we going to condemn them? Or are we going to love them and say, you know what, I, I did that. I was 25, I was at work, I just got been married for two, two years, but man, something happened and I just, we didn't ever touch each other, but man, I was so, I, I hate to admit it, but I was in love with another woman at work and it just was a mess. But a man from church came to me and put his arm around me and said, I know what's going on because I did it too. Okay, you are the person that's going to put your arm around your brother and your sister. I even tell my church, you grab that person by the hand and you say, I'm not letting go of you. I'm not letting go of you. I'm going to walk you through this thing that you're walking through. It's painful. It's sinful. But you know what? There is a way out of it. First of all, it's the power of Christ. Repentance. I know you get taught that all the time. But the third thing that's the biggest thing is called church community. We as brothers and sisters need to walk with each other when others are caught in sin with a spirit of gentleness. Why a spirit of gentleness? Because we are sinners too. Hebrews 5 teaches us that when a priest goes, you know, in the Old Testament and does all the stuff at the altar and sacrifices, that that person, when they minister to somebody, knows how to walk them through sin because they themselves are marred people. We are all marred. We are all marred people who need to help each other out in the spirit of gentleness. Okay, we're humming along, baby. Number nine, I promise to be kind and compassionate to others. This is a key one at work. If you want, please listen to me. If you want raises, if you want to make more money, if you want to be elevated in your job to different positions, try being kind and compassionate to the bosses, to the owners, and the co-workers. Not out of a deceit to get something, but out of love. So when you do kind and compassionate things, even when those things aren't being done to you, they look at you and go, that dude or that chick is different. There's something going on, and we need to have that in our life. Number 10, I promise to submit to one another's. Woo, baby. Submission. Satan does not like submission. I'm telling you all right now, submit to one another. You're married. Submit to your spouse. Man and woman, submit to each other, and many things will be accomplished in your house. Submit to one another at church. When you go to Rock of Ages, I hope. Now, I don't know how Mark, what Mark's told you or anything like that, so I'm not going to say anything, but submit to them. Submit to each other. Love, 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 love. I'm telling you what, the ultimate purpose of Sozo Church, it's going to be on a hill, is not to overpower another church. The ultimate purpose is to bodies of Jesus Christ. This is the body of Jesus Christ. Rock of Ages and Sozo Church coming together to make one local body to do what? The will of the Father which is to seek and save the lost, which is to disciple people for Jesus Christ. It is not 
to see who has the biggest sword and who's going to dominate the ministries up there. It is to love each other and love the world. I'm telling you what, that church used to be six, 700 people in the 70s and 80s. It's going to be back at that. People are going to come to a shining light that says, you know what, those people up there, they love each other. I come in the doors and I just get plastered with people giving me hugs and loving on me. and They care about my kids and they, they care about all the stuff in my life. They love me. Number 12, live in harmony and unity with each other. 13, I promise to forgive each other's. I'm going to end with this so Lindsay could come up. I'm going to pray so the worship team could come up as well. I promise to obey Jesus by fishing for the lost. Here is the end goal with Sozo Church and Rock of Ages. Love each other so the world will want to come and partake in what you have, which is loving God and loving people. All the ministries, everything else you put it aside, those are important. Above everything is that are we going to love so the world can look at us and go, yeah, they're weird, don't like them, but man, they got something and I got to go there. And when they go there, they're going to get shell-shocked by the love of Christ, the presence of the Holy Spirit in your services, and things are going to happen. It's going to be an awesome time. Let's pray. Father, Again, we just lift your word up. Your word is perfect in every way, Lord God. Jesus, you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. I know that this church loves to preach the word, to adhere to the word of God. And the word of God for today, right now, is to live love. It is the most important. It fulfills all the rules. All the commandments of of the whole Bible are fulfilled in loving our neighbor and loving Jesus Christ. Amen.